How are you guys doing this morning? Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> you always count on Jeff, can't you? You can always count on Jeff. So first of all, I want to commend you for your time management skills because it's 1024 and there's a lot of people that think it's 924 and so uh, I want to thank you for springing forward and I'll ask you when people walk in about 11 o'clock, just smile, show them the love of Christ and let's accept them here, right? So I want to talk to you this morning about a phrase called ears to hear, ears to hear. And I told Jennifer this morning, I wanted to try to, you know, when I was trying to find my picture here, I was like, what would Jennifer pick for this? So I want to pick something really, really good because she's always does an excellent job of uh, showing the, the, uh, the sermon in pictures. So my question this morning is, have you ever been reading your Bible and uh, maybe you've read something five or six or 10 or 100 times, and all of a sudden, this time when you read it, those words just pop off the page at you, right? And so, you know, I, I believe that the, the Bible is a living word, and every time I read it, I get something new. And, and I'll tell you, what happened a, a few weeks ago, honestly, has never happened to me before. I, I listened to a podcast, and it's called The Daily Audio Bible. And uh, it's about 30 minutes a day, and he does a, a Old Testament, New Testament, Proverbs, Psalm, and does a little devotional at the end. And like I said, it takes about 30 minutes. It takes me about 30 minutes to get to work, so it works out pretty good. Well, I was listening the other day, and I was driving to work, and just like those words popping off the page of the Bible, something happened when I heard him say these words. He who has ears to hear, he who has ears, let him hear. I've heard that tons of times, right? But all of a sudden, it meant something different. And I'm not sure what that was. But I just, I just kept feeling like it. And to be honest with you, my first nature is, ah, oh, it's probably nothing. And then the next day, you know, ears to hear is in the Bible a lot. So the next day, I hear it again. And then I hear someone talking at work, and they're like, oh, well, you know, you got to have ears to hear. And then I hear a commercial, and it's ears to hear. And I'm like, okay, after the 17th or 18th time, even I can get that I'm supposed to do something with this. So basically, I had to research what it meant to me to have ears to hear. And here's why I think it was. So um, I want to tell you a little story. So a lot of you know that I used to be a pastor, but I want to kind of give you the Paul Harvey version of it this morning. So about, about this time, I would say, in, let's call it uh, 2005, I was asked by a couple of friends to join a, a Christian rock band. They were starting a Christian rock band. Uh, their, their goal was to, you know, let's get together, let's learn some songs. We'll hit to churches and, and festivals and any place that, that wants a, a Christian band to play, we'll offer that up. And I really, really, really wanted to say no, but somehow my mouth said yes, right? And so totally out of my comfort zone, I am absolutely a living room guitar player, right? I don't play anywhere else, um, but that kind of changed. So we started practicing, and, you know, it was a pretty good band. It, it was fun. It was, a, it was a good distraction. We hadn't really played out anywhere, and so that was perfect for me because it was really in someone's basement, and I went from a living room guitar player to a basement guitar player, and that was still kind of okay. Then one night we went to um, band practice, and the drummer says, we're not going to practice tonight. I, I need to tell you guys something. I've been called to be a pastor. I've, I've been called to start a church is what it was. I've been called to start a church, and I think we're supposed to do that together. And he says, quite frankly, I've 
tried this with other bands and it's never been the right time. But I've been struggling with this for a few months and, and I think now's the right time. And so we embarked on a journey um, that in August of 2005, Lifeline Church was born in, a, uh, in the dogwood room of the Civic Center in, in West Plains. And so um, the, the drummer became the pastor, I became the worship leader, and we started a church. We moved from the Civic Center to a, a, a smaller room, and then we finally got a bigger building, and, and it continued to grow. About this time, 2010-ish, um, I was doing some fill-in work, you know, so I, I told the pastor, he really wanted me to be the associate pastor, and uh, I just didn't have any interest. I was the worship leader. In fact, in the bulletin one time, he wrote associate pastor, and I made him reprint all the bulletins, because I was not the associate pastor, I was the worship leader. But I told him I would speak from time to time. And so, there was one of these uh, weekends, him and his wife wanted to get away, they were going to go on a cruise, and so they were going to be gone for a couple weeks, so I said, well, I'll, I'll preach for a couple weeks. So that morning before church, we got a call, and they hadn't made it to their cruise ship. They had to stop in Memphis, and um, the pastor was really sick. His name was Dave, and um, they weren't sure what it was initially, but after some tests came back, turns out he had pancreatic cancer. Um, so now my, I, I reluctantly accepted the title of associate pastor because he was going to need some help running this church, and so... He came back, he started treatments. Um, we worked through a lot of things, lots of prayers, you know, lots of anointing with oil. Um, and my, my uh, responsibilities grew and grew and grew. And then on August 23rd of uh, 2011, he got his heavenly, he, heavenly healing and, and we lost Dave Huff. And he went to heaven and, and uh, show where I was in, in my learning, that was the first funeral I've ever preached. And um, that's not how you want to start, by the way. Um, and so, after that was done, the, the church came to me and they said, well, you're associate pastor now. We've, we'd like to name you, you know, full executive pastor, or whatever the title was. And to me, that was a logical thing to do, right? I kind of Worked my way up th from the bottom up, right? I was worship leader, associate pastor. Pastor was the next logical step. Let's fast forward to about this time of year, 2017, and I'm as burnt out as burnt out can be. Lifeline Church is a outreach church, and, and um, outreach churches are great, but the problem is that most of the people who go to an outreach church haven't realized yet that the church isn't there to serve them, that they're there to serve God. And so the couple or keep people that actually did understand that got to do all the work. And so I got to play in the band and preach the sermons and do the slides and uh, clean the toilets and sometimes run the bus and all kinds of things. And so I'm really struggling with it. Jenny's really struggling with it because she's, you know, been reluctantly drug along this entire journey. And uh, as Tina can tell you, that's not... You know, pastor's wife is harder than the pastor's job. Just don't tell Dennis. But um, I'm really struggling with it. She's really struggling with it. And, and finally, I'm praying to God. I'm like, God, will you please release me from this service to you? Why? I, I, don't, I, I don't feel like I'm supposed to be doing this. Will you release me from this so I can go do something else? 
and I very clearly heard God say, I never told you to do it in the first place. I didn't have ears to hear. I used the word logical earlier, right? And we all know that God is not logical. Where I messed up was after Dave passed away and the church came to me and asked me to be pastor, I forgot to do something. I forgot to ask God if that's what he wanted me to do or not. And I spent six years doing the wrong thing. And you know what dawned on me is I never thought you could do God's work and not be doing God's will. But the fact of the matter, I'm living proof, right? It's so important to have ears to hear. And so when I heard this ears to hear, all those things came rushing back. That's been several years ago. All those things came rushing back to me, and I got very passionate about how do I make sure I don't make that mistake again, and most importantly, how do I make sure others don't make that mistake? And so I really started digging into the word and really started researching ears to hear. And I'm kind of a numbers guy, so I thought it was really interesting. You know, I always think, when you think about God and you think about the Bible, I'm always looking for threes and sevens, right? Because, you know, there's seven, seven days, and, and that's supposed to be the perfect number, and three, you can take Holy Trinity, and, and three days until, you know, Jesus was risen again. So I'm always looking for those numbers. Well, what I found really interesting was, ears to hear is found 14 times in the New Testament, and is actually found in two sets of seven. It's a tale of two ears, Right? The, uh, it's seven times in the Gospels and then seven times in the book of Revelation. And so immediately when I start, you know, this is the beginning of my research and immediately I'm like, okay, I'm on to something now, right? God's given, but God knows how I'm wired. He's given me sevens. He really wants me to dig in. And what's kind of cool is in the Gospels, it's focused on an introduction to Jesus. So when we talk about ears to hear and we'll, we'll go through some of these, um, but it's really an introduction to Jesus. And it's found in these places here, the parable of the sower, the parable of the weeds, put a lamp under your basket, salt without taste is worthless, baptism of Jesus. Now you say, there's only five, how come, I thought you said there were seven. Well, actually it's used in all three times the parable of the sower is used. And so that's, uh, that's used in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so obviously if it's used seven times and then three times, that's what I need to go read, right? That's what I need to go read. So um, if you want to turn to your Bibles, you know, basically those are the synoptic gospels. They're all roughly the same. But if you want to pick the Matthew 13, one through nine, let's kind of read through that. And let me kind of a side note while you guys are getting there. Um, almost every time I'm up here, I've used the parable of the sower. So all I can figure out is either I haven't got it yet or one of y'all haven't got it yet. So... Pay attention when we go through this this time, and maybe I won't have to preach on the parable of the sowers again. So if you're there, well, uh, I, I got it up here for you. Matthew 13, 1 through 9. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and the great cow- cr- crowds gathered about him. So they got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and they told him many things in the parable, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. Now, Take note as we go through here the different types of soil. Some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, 
And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell upon the thorns, and the thorns grew up up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Right? And so in this parable, Jesus talked about four types of soil. Maybe. And uh, we'll really get it to work here in a second. The first one's the path. There we're getting there. So the first one's the path. And it talked about the sower just, you know, it was haphazardly putting seed and it fell along the path. Well, you know, if it's a path, um, it's obviously very trampled down. It's very hard. It's, it's not good stuff there, right? And so the, bait, the birds came and devoured it. The path was so hard that the seeds just rested on the top. And the birds came and devoured it. And what, they're supposed to be talk, what that's supposed to be telling you is the people that are so hard-hearted that when they hear the word of God, it just bounces off them, right? Maybe you know someone like that. Maybe you are someone like that. Maybe you used to be someone like that, right? I'm working here. You're going to do it? So rocky ground... That's the next one. So the rocky ground is a little bit less hard than the path, right? It's not been beaten down, but there's rocks everywhere in it. And so what happened to that is, uh, let's go to the next one. The sun rose and, and, and uh, they were scorched. And so what happened was the seeds fell on this rocky ground, but, you know, it was rocky and there wasn't much dirt there. And so it actually, the, the, the crop actually grew, but the roots weren't deep enough. You know, and that one's pretty obvious too. It talks about people that, you know, they come to church and they hear the word of God, but they're really not letting it get inside them, right? It's really just, um, it stays on the surface. They don't let it get in there. And guess what? When the first trial happens, and I didn't say if the first trial happens, when the first trial happens, they're going to turn back. They're going to turn away. They're going to turn back to their own ways. The next set of soil was among thorns. And this is, I wrote it this way for a reason. And uh, so there was a, uh, one of the first songs we learned in that band was a, was a song called No Rock. And it's based on when Jesus was going into town on Palm Sunday and it said, even the rocks will cry out. And, the, and the, basically the song said, no rock, uh, no rock's gonna outpraise me. And the band that wrote that was called Among Thorns. And so as I'm going through this, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm not an idiot. I can figure this one out. So uh, when it fell among thorns, of course, if, if your fields look like mine do at home, there's lots of weeds out there. And when you, when you plant good stuff among the weeds, you start um, getting things that, you know, choke out what you're trying to plant. And uh, Jenny spent most of the day weeding our dirt yet from last year. And so the, you know, if you, if you plant your seed among a bunch of weeds, Generally, the weeds are going to take over. I think I got it back again, maybe. Okay. 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 So, good soil. So, th this is obviously where you want to plant your, uh, your crop, right? And so, good soil produced grain. And that's what Jesus really in this parable wanted us all to learn was... He wanted us to be the good soil. He wanted us to be um, 
to cultivate our hearts. He wants us to be fertile soil so that when we hear the word, we can respond to it and it produces good fruit. So if we get those four types of soil, you know, when we look across the people we meet every day, you're going to see all four of those types. And in fact, one can argue that we're all four of those types depending on kind of the mood we're in and the stage we are in life, right? And there's, there's times when there's certain word that we're good soil on and there's other times where, eh, I don't necessarily want to go down that path. And so we become the path. So, that was the first grouping of seven, right? And, so, and it's really an introduction, right? The first introduction was the, Jesus, the baptism of Jesus when, when uh, John the Baptist saw him and said, Below, behold, here comes the lamb. And Jesus walked up and said, this guy knows what he's talking about. He who has ears, let them hear. There's a second group of uh, seven, and it's in the book of Revelations, and here's what's kind of interesting about that. The ears to hear phrase. So basically in the first set in the gospel that says, he who has ears to hear, let them hear. This one is phrased a little bit differently. It says, he who has an ear, let them hear what the spirit says to churches. And so this specifically is talking about us. Specifically talking about those who have accepted Jesus Christ who, are, who call themselves Jesus followers, who call themselves Christians. And so here's where I really dug in. So what I'm going to do is the seven times it's there is for the seven churches in the book of Revelation. And so basically that starts in Revelation 2 and goes on through Revelation 3. And I'll, I'll go through each church. I'm not going to read it all because it's, it's very, very long, but I'm going to summarize it. And I'm going to try to give us a little application on what we can learn from each church. And the first one is the church of Ephesus. And by the way, all seven of these churches are uh, located in what is now uh, modern-day Turkey. So they're all very, very close together. And, uh, you know, just off the, the coast of Turkey there uh, was the island of Patmos, uh, where Revelation was written. And so we're going to go through each of these. Ephesus, Revelation is uh, 2, 1 through 7. And uh, here's what Jesus said to them. Despite the church's hard work and doctrinal integrity, they lost their first love. And so your homework for today is go home and read Revelations 2 and 3 and, and really get the, the meat of this. But the summary of that was is this church is working really hard. They're, they're, they're out in the community. They're, you know, their doctrine is right. They're, you know, on the outside, they look like they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, but they're not Christ-centered. They lost their first love, and their first love that Jesus is speaking to here is him, right? They're doing their church thing, but it's not centered around Jesus Christ. And the lesson for today is truth and love must go hand in hand. See, if we've got the truth of the Bible, but we don't administer that truth with love, it's just going to turn people off. If we've got lots of love, but it's not tempered with the truth of the Bible then it's just love. And so what the church of Ephesus was missing and, and, and kind of what I found as I walked through here is there's a little bit of each of the seven churches in me. And maybe there's each of the seven churches in you. And, and I want to kind of 
use this as a lesson of things we've got to watch out for as the devil prowls around and, and tries to devour us. So truth and love must go hand in hand. The second church is the church of Smyrna, and that's in Revelation 2, 8 through 11. And kind of what it, he talked about here was he commends the church for material poverty and spiritual wealth, right? So they, you know, they were... Uh, taking in their money and, and using it wisely, using it for, for the, the mission that furthering the kingdom of Jesus Christ. They were centered on God, unlike the church of Ephesus. They, they didn't lose their first love. They were focused on Jesus Christ. And basically, this church did everything right. But he said, because you're doing everything right, you're going to be persecuted. You've been persecuted, and it's going to get worse. And so our lesson here is, Persecution is real. And remember those who are persecuted for their faith. And so um, here in Willow Springs, Missouri, it's pretty God-friendly, right? There are some, there are some uh, opposition, but very little. However, Satan's always around. And so while we may not feel worldly persecution here in Willow Springs, Missouri, as on fire as this town is for God, Satan doesn't like it. And he's trying to attack every single one of us and keep us out of the game. I was talking to someone the other day. It's, you know, basketball final season. And, and uh, my, what my theory on this is, is if you're a leading scorer, then the coach on the other team has a game plan for you. If you're third on the bench, he didn't care. When you come in, he doesn't go, uh-oh, he's in, right? And so as you rise up and you become more and more a factor in the kingdom, Satan's going to target you more and more and more. And you just need to be aware of it and count it all joy, right? You're going to get attacked. There's going to be things go wrong in your life. You know, I thought it was interesting that we mentioned Job this morning. That's a great example, it's going to be things go wrong in your life, and you're not going to understand it. And what I want you, you know, as you grow up and as we mature and become greater and stronger as a church, and the kingdom of God gets greater and greater in Willow Springs, we're going to become under attack, and we've got to pray for each other. We've got to lift each other up. We've got to just be honest and, and know that if you believe in God, you've got to believe in Satan. There's both there, right? And I will tell you, I've been, um, been attacked many times, and I'm sure other people can say that. And don't, don't think that it's hocus pocus, right? Satan is absolutely real. I've seen, I could give testimony time and time again to the times, right? I've had, I've had a projector. I could always tell when I was a pastor, if I showed up at church and there was that, everything went right, like, you know, my phone actually being able to control the slides, uh, I would be worried because Satan didn't have a game plan for me. I've showed up to church before and the projector didn't work. And that's kind of a problem in the way I did messages because they're like this and they're all up there. And if I don't have that, that's a problem. And we've laid hands on that, literally got a ladder out. We climbed up and we laid hands on the projector and prayed for it and it started working right? Also remember that, you know, not everyone lives in Willow Springs, Missouri. 
You know, Voice of the Martyrs, if you don't get that newsletter or don't get that publication, get it. It'll really ground you on all the things that are going on all over the world and the people that are just being killed just because they love Jesus Christ, just because they're doing the things we're doing here this morning. Pergamum, that's in uh, Revelations 2, 12 through 17. So Jesus commends this church for upholding its faith despite its pagan influences. In the Bible, it actually calls this city the throne of Satan, right? So I'm guessing that's a fairly rough town. And so um, it says you're doing a great job, right? You're living, in, you're living in the throne of Satan, and you're still sticking to your faith. You're still sticking to your biblical principles. However, there were some in their church that were following false teaching, some of Balaam and, and others um, that have gone over the years. And so the lesson for today is it's easy for the church to normalize non-Christian behavior. And it's such a slippery slope. It's so easy to just take a little step and take a little step and take a little step. And now all of a sudden we're off course. And the world is not helping us, right? The world is, is Hollywood's trying to normalize everything except for the Bible, right? And so we see all these things that, that we don't stand for on TV and all of a sudden when it's on TV enough, you know, the first time it's there, we're appalled, and the second time we're there, we're mad, and the third time it's there, we've accepted it. And so we've got to, you know, there's not as many, and we'll talk about this in a minute with another church, but there's not as many false teachers walking into a church and, and preaching something that's counter to the Bible. But outside of these walls, there's so many false teachers, and there's so many false prophets. We've got to be careful to understand what the Bible says and understand how God feels about certain things and make sure that we're aligned to that. Thyatira, that's in Revelations 2, 18 through 29. And as you can see, this one's quite a bit longer than the rest of them because, quite frankly, Jesus had something to say. Um, and it's all from a, it's all about a lady they called Jezebel. So Jesus praises the church for having grown in faith and service. And so he's, he's seen that church grow. They, they've gotten larger numbers. They've got, they've got good faith. They've got good service. You know, people are doing what they're supposed to be doing. But the church's downfall was there was a person named Jezebel. It's not the Jezebel of the Old Testament. Uh, a lot of things that I read said, you know, that might have just been a, uh, it might have actually been her name, but it might have been a phrase uh, that they used for any kind of false prophetess that was kind of like the, the Jezebel of the Old Testament. But once again, there's not a lot of people coming into churches uh, wanting to speak and, and leading us down the wrong path. But as soon as you flip on your phone or as soon as you flip on the TV and you're looking at social media and you're looking at, you know, what, what's on cable or what's on, you know, satellite or any kind of movies on Netflix, there's all kinds of false prophets out there. And we've got to be really keen to that because false prophets will lead you astray and it, it goes hand in hand with the normalizing right and so you know there are people out there who just the crazy thing about social media today is I can write anything I want and put it out there and hundreds thousands millions of people can see it and yeah there'll be comments underneath saying it's not right but you know there's no fact check there's no 
you know, there's no requirement to, for it to be right. Even in journalism today, everyone's wanting clicks for headlines. So they give you a really misleading headline. And when you read the story, it has nothing to do with the headline, right? And there's so many people that are just skimming headlines going, oh, well, you know, we've got to come up with our own conclusions. We've got to get into our Bible and understand what our worldview is based on that book and understand what truth is, capital T truth is in this world. In a world of fake news, we've got to figure out what the truth is and it starts with a J and ends with an Esus. Sardis, that's in Revelations 3, 1 through 6. So Jesus faults the church for an outward appearance of being alive while being spiritually dead. This one is so true in America today. I've, I've been, I've honestly been to more churches that are, have the outward appearance of being alive while being spiritually dead than I have the other way. Um, part of the, part of the reason I, I go to Crossway is I was, after I'd retired from being a pastor, I'd, I'd search for whatever my new home was. At, at that point, I'd sort of learned my lesson and wanted to understand where I was supposed to be. And I'll tell you, the first time I walked in the crossway, it was the spirit hit me in the face and it was like your home. I mean, we'd, we'd been to several churches and, and, and I'd, like, I'd kind of like one and Jenny'd hate it or Jenny'd kind of like one and I'd hate it and Rachel kind of like one and we're both like, you're not going back there, you know? And I appreciate, I appreciate that you colored for an hour and a half, but that's, that's not really what you're here to do. And so, you know, it, it was just, and hopefully if you're new here today, um, come back next week and you hear Dennis preach. But hopefully you can feel the spirit hit you in the face. And, and hopefully you can feel a church that's alive with the spirit. But what we've got to be, uh, and I've heard it twice today, by the way, Dennis, because Jeff said it too. Don't go through the motions. We as a church cannot go through the motions. We can't just show up here and check the box that we've been here on Sunday morning. I mean, we are here for a reason, and that reason is not so that we can tell our friends next tomorrow that we went to church. Our reason is to grow closer to God, to learn a little bit, to listen to the Holy Spirit in our own life, and quite frankly, even if it's just to get us to sit down and be quiet for an hour and let God work in our life, it's worth it. Because I have that problem. My mind's going... 100 miles an hour. I told, I told a couple people this morning that someone called me a cockroach at work the other day. And I'm like, well, that's kind of rude. What do you mean? They're like, if I turn my head, you're gone. You know, they were trying to get there. I hear them yelling, hey. And I'm like, what is, why are you yelling at me? And they're like, you're a cockroach. And I'm like, they're like you, I turn my head, you're somewhere else. And so my mind goes a million miles an hour and just getting me to slow down and listen to what God wants me to say and wants me to hear, and wants me to do. It's difficult sometimes. I'm really good at taking uh, $2 of information and making $100 decisions on it, right? Oh, you want that? I'm off. Wait, 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 come back, right? So we can't just go through the motions, right? If we, if we go through the motion, it's gonna be obvious, and that person that walks through the door for the first time, searching for some place to call home, searching for some place to get to know Jesus Christ, they're gonna go somewhere else. And it's not about filling seats in a church. It's about, I truly believe Crossway's got the spirit here and we want to love on people. 
Philadelphia, that's Revelations 3, 7 through 17, 7 through 13. Jesus praises this church for remaining faithful in the face of trials. Here's our lesson. Blessings come when we keep our faith through tribulation. It's gonna come. If it hasn't come already, even if it has come already. You know, the Bible doesn't say if, it says when. Trials come. And like I said, back to the, back to the thing about Satan. If you're part of the if you're part of the winning team, you're part of his game plan and trials will come, tribulations will come. And blessings come when we keep our faith. Back to Job again, right? That's, that's why that story's in the Bible, is to show us that lesson about blessings come when we keep our faith through tribulation. Laodicea, Revelations 3, 14 through 22. Jesus denounces this church for its lukewarm faith. This is where he says in the Bible, I'm gonna spit you out. Economic prosperity calls spiritual bankrupt. A lot of times that can happen. Because a lot of times we, you know, when we're down and out, we raise our hands and we're praying to God and saying, how come you put me here, right? But when we're on the top of the mountain and everything's good, we don't go, thank God for you putting me here. We're like, look what I did. Look how good I am. I worked really hard and I got a promotion. You know, I... Look at the nice car I have or look at the nice house I have. And we don't remember where that came from. It's easy to become complacent in our faith during times of abundance. We just got to be sensitive to that. When, when you know, I've, I've often said I'm not near mature enough to be a lottery winner. So I don't even play because I know, I know God won't, God's like, yeah, you can't handle that. <laughs> There's no way, right? And, and because I know my weaknesses, right? And we've got to just, when everything's going right, we've got to get down on our knees and just praise God for what's going on in our life. Just, just as much as we do when we're praising him to take the hurt away. So what is the Spirit saying to the churches? Truth and love. It's our first lesson. How do we do that? A couple things. First of all, we've got to know what truth is. And so we've got to be in our Bible studies. And this is, this is going to be a commercial for Wednesday night. Come to the Bible studies on Wednesday night. We're going through a, a, a section now on sheep. And it's, it's awesome. I mean, it's, I, I come out of there every, every night learning something and just, just loving it. So thank you for doing that. It's great. Um, but, you know, if you, if you, once again, if you don't have time to get into the Bible, you feel like you don't have time for God, come make some time on Wednesday night. Just sit down and... and and learn. The second thing we've got to do is we've got to learn how to love. And Jesus taught us how to love when he put out his arms like this. And he died. And that's the kind of love that Jesus expects from us. And that's a high bar. And when you think you, you've loved enough, love some more. Expect persecution and remember the persecuted. Always remember that if you wonder why this is happening to you, one of the reasons might be because I'm on fire for God. And always remember and always pray. Every time you pray, pray for people around the world who are trying to reach people for Jesus and quite frankly are losing their life. Number three, don't be like the world. We've got to be different. We, we talked the other night about being holy and I, I always said, I always struggled with the word holy. 
right? We're supposed to be holy, and it's like, I can't be holy. But then I realized the definition of holy meant set apart and useful by God. I can be set apart and useful by God. You can be set apart and useful by God, so you can be holy, but you've got to be set apart and useful to do that. And the way to set yourself apart is to don't be like the world, right? And when people are looking at you in, at, at, at work or at school or in your social circles and they see how you deal with crisis and they see how you deal with other people and they see how you deal with the good things that happen in your life, they're going to wonder what you've got that they don't have and you can tell them it's Jesus. That's what being set apart means. Watch out for false prophets. And like I said, very you know, it's not like in the days where churches were in people's homes and people would come in and, and there's false prophets speaking in our church. We're relatively safe from false prophets in churches. But as soon as we leave these doors, there's false prophets everywhere. Look out for them. Don't just go through the motions, right? We've got to be... I, I suffered from that a lot, and, and especially when I was burnt out. It was, I have to go do this today. Just understand, back to the persecution thing, there's people all over the world who would love to have the opportunity we have this morning, who would love to have the opportunity to serve in a church, would love to have the opportunity to attend a church without having to worry about who's coming through the front door or who's going to find out. Take that blessing and run with it. Don't just go through the motions. Maintain our faith despite the hard times. I think that goes without saying. There's going to be hard times. We live in a fallen world. It's just going to happen and and. We've got to love each other and, and maintain our faith and just stay as a church, right? We've said it time and time again over the last few weeks. The church is not these rafters and these walls. It's us. And the church is strong. Don't be complacent in the good times. Just like when, you know, don't lose your faith in the bad times when things start out being good. Don't just go through the motions. And here's the thing I'm sensitive about. For both types of ears, we need to develop a sense of urgency. Because if you're sitting here this morning, you've never accepted Jesus Christ, well, today would be a great day. And here's, people die every single day. And a ton of them don't know what's coming. A few years ago, I had a car wreck on the way to work, and uh, I'm convinced I know what angels sound like, because quite frankly, the, the, uh, I have a buddy that's a first responder, and he says, I've cut dead bodies out of cars that look better than yours. I, I don't think I should have lived, but I'm glad I did, and it changed my perspective, because when they say it happens so fast, they mean you don't have a shot. You don't have a chance. I Someone crossed the center line at 55 miles an hour and hit me head on. There was no, I did this. That's as far as I could do. And so what I'm saying is, if you know someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ, it's time to reach out to them. If you're that person, it's time to start having a conversation with Jesus. Remember, ears to hear has less to do with our ears and more to do with our heart, right? Because we can hear the word, but we've got to be that fertile soil, and that's in here. It's kind of like husband's selective hearing, right? We can hear our wives, but maybe sometimes we don't have ears to hear. And so we've got to get our heart right, 
and be connected to Jesus Christ. And that's, that's where I went wrong. And guess what? I, was, I had a great prayer life. I was, I was fervently praying every day. I was in the word. I was preaching every single week. And so I was studying the word and I was, I was in the word all the time. I was doing my daily audio Bible. I was connected. Those two things are not enough to have ears to hear because I missed it. We've got to be connected with God and we've got to be actually seeking God's word, God's will. We can't just say, well, I pray all the time. God had a chance to talk to me. Well, yeah, but if you're not looking for what God wants you to do, you're going to miss it. So let me tell you something. Today would be a great day to accept Jesus Christ. If you haven't done that yet and you're out here, today would be a great day to do that. Today would also be a great day to be the answer to someone's prayers. And Jeannie said that on, on Wednesday night, and I asked her if I could use it. She said she's prayed for other people, you know, that are around the world. Hey, could you step in and, and intercede in this person's life and, and get them right with Jesus? And, and she said the response back was, okay, but you've got to be willing to be the answer to someone else's prayer. And so today, you could be the answer to someone else's prayer if you've got ears to hear. And what I'm talking about is when you leave here and you go to town and country or you go home or you, you go to the park or whatever your plans are today, listen for what God wants you to do. Because if you're like me, you'll walk through and, and God will whisper in your ear, go talk to that person about Jesus. And you're like, I got, a, I got pickles to get. I mean, are you serious? Right? And you, you laugh, but I'm actually kind of serious. Um, but that's what ears to, hear's, ears to Hear looks like. It's about those little things all day long where God wants you to do something for him. Right? Because we're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Am I right? I mean, that's, that's what we're here for. And so hands and feet do something. You know, I heard a preacher a long time ago that said, my grandma always used to say, I believe a lot. You know, she'd say, well, I believe I'm tired. I believe I'm going to make myself some tea. I believe I'm hungry. And you know what I, that always was followed with? Was action. Because when she believed she was tired, she went to bed. And when she believed she was thirsty, she went and made herself some tea. And when she believed she was hungry, she went and got something to eat. So if we believe in Jesus Christ, it's got to be followed with action. And today, you can be the answer to someone's prayers. Today, we can decide to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches as well. Because I believe, uh, you know, and maybe, maybe you're not in the same situation I'm in, but I believe there's a little bit of each of those seven churches inside of me. And I believe there's probably a little bit of those seven churches inside of here, and we've got to work every day to make sure it doesn't look like... I, I don't really want Jesus writing me a letter saying, Steve, here's what I find at fault with you. Here's what you need to fix. I want to just listen to that every single day and see if I can figure it out. So what do we do with our ears to hear? How do we get that? Like I said, I mean, the first step's prayer and, prayer and being in the word. You've got, to, you've got to do that. That's the same thing about, you know, when I preached to the youth of, uh, a few weeks ago, it was about weight loss. And there's only one way to lose weight, and that is to consume more calories than you take, I mean, to burn more calories than you take in. I, obviously, I do it wrong. But that's the only way there is. I mean, there's no way around it. 
You can do all the fad stuff you want to do. The only way to do it is that. There's only one way to have ears to hear. You've got to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and your friend. You've got to have a conversation with him every single day. And when you have that conversation, you've got to listen. I was talking to someone the other day, and it's like, you know, if you've got a friend named Bill, you don't call up Bill and say, you know, you pull, pull up the phone and Bill goes, hello, and you're like, oh, Bill, you are the greatest friend in the whole world. I praise your name. No, you say, hey, Bill, what's up? Oh, I'm doing it. Oh, really? Hey, you know, we ought to get together and do lunch sometime. Yeah, that'd be great. You have a conversation. That's what Jesus wants from us. He doesn't want us to be almighty Jesus. Jesus, what do you want me to do today? Jesus, I'm going, I'm going to do this today. You want to come with me? You know, hey, what, what plans do you have for me today? And I know that sounds totally corny, but it's time to get corny. It's time to have ears to hear. We're missing out on so much. And back to that sense of urgency. Here's, here's what I believe. I'm a, I'm a manager at my work. And when I have some tasks to do, I don't assign the same task to Dirk and to Glendella and to Dennis because I don't need three people doing it. I just want one person to get it done. God's the same way. When, God, when I go to town and country and God tells me to talk to that person, he didn't tell three other people to talk to that person. He told me to talk to that person. And guess what happens if I don't talk to that person? They don't get talked to today. Now, maybe they get talked to this afternoon or maybe they get talked to tomorrow because God's always got a plan of salvation and it's always in work, but I'm a part of that. And I've got to understand that if I miss my section of it, I'm kicking the can down the road for the kingdom. It has to wait another day. It has to wait another hour. And quite frankly, that person might not have another day or another hour. And so that's the sense of urgency we've got to get on ears to hear. We have got to be listening constantly for God's voice. And uh, if you guys want to come up and, and we'll, if you guys want to bow your heads, we'll have a, have a prayer.